Hello, and welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, presented by JewishCoffeeHouse.com. Nice Jewish Fangirls is a new podcast where three Orthodox women from New York City discuss the things that we're obsessed with. My name is Michal Schick, and I am your host. I am joined today by my co-hosts, Tamar Herman. Hello. And S.M. Rosenberg. Hi. So, as we get started... Uh, let's just tell everyone a little bit about ourselves. I am a senior writer at Hypable.com. Uh, you can find me on various podcasts throughout the internet and uh, the founder of Orthodox Ladies United in Fandom, which is a uh, Facebook community for Orthodox women who are fanish. Mar. Hi, my name is Mar Herman. I am a freelance writer based out of New York City. I write about things relating to the Asian entertainment industry primarily. I also cover some fashion, and I, you can find my words for on NBCNews.com, Billboard, and a variety of other websites, um, and I am usually found on Twitter. And SM. Hi, I'm SM Rosenberg, and I'm a Jill of all trades. I do writing, editing, uh, some video editing, um, personal assistant, all sorts of things, and I'm a retired auto mechanic, and I... A brief but illustrious career. Yeah, brief but illustrious, yeah, with lots of good stories. Um, very few are fandom-related, though, so they won't come up. But yeah, I can be found uh, on Facebook a lot, and occasionally on Twitter, but not as often, and also I have a blog and a, um Amazon author page where my fiction is available to be purchased, although no royalties go to me. Aw, that's a bummer. Yeah, such is the writer's life. So, to start off, this is obviously our first episode. We're all we're all making ourselves comfortable, uh, but we thought it would be nice to start with talking about the recently passed Jewish high holidays, otherwise known as Yom Tov or Yantif, during which um, we pray a lot, we eat a lot, and we read a lot, usually uh, because and that's... sleep Don't and sleep. sleep. Yes, for sure. I don't sleep. I read. <laughs> you sleep instead of read? No, I read instead of sleep. I mean, you read instead of sleep. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it would be it would be a talent to do both at the same time. You're not supposed to sleep the year away on Rosh Hashanah. That's true. I don't sleep on Rosh Hashanah, but I do sleep on on Sukkot. Oh, I do too, but I don't usually nap in general, so yeah. I just read all the time. I sleep when my eyes get tired. I sleep at reading. Ah, perfect, perfect blend. So we're going to talk about what we have been doing fandom-wise over the Yomim Tovim. SM, you want to start? Okay. Well, Yom Tov um, is always eventful for me uh, around this time of year because it's my Hebrew birthday on Simchas Torah. My dad tells the story of how I was I was born and he danced hakafot around my mother's hospital bed. And Aww. So... <laughs> Wait, what's your English birthday? My English birthday is October 22nd, which this year was like three days before. Are um, we not born the same year? I thought we were. No, I think you're younger oh, no, than you're, me. Right, you're, 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 you're a year older than me. I forgot. Because yeah. my birthday's I'm an old fogey. You're a baby. <laughs> anyway, um, so I've been lately having a uh, reading birthday party where I invite people over and they we read for an hour and I have everybody lend me a book for me to read for the in the coming year and then at the next year's per- party I give it back and they give me a new one it's it's a very efficient uh, book exchange system um, and my friends have a good taste in books so so far it's been very successful and the first book that I read uh, was um, the aeronauts windlass which was lent to me by my dad it's by Jim Butcher and I've never read any Jim Butcher books uh, before last year when someone lent me the Dresden Files. Uh, I like that okay, but... Oh, I think I know who that was. Um, the Dresden Files? Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I like that okay, but the narrator was sexist and whatever. It was annoying. So, um, but I like I liked this one much better. Um, and one of the elements that I particularly liked is that there is an entire tribe of cats and one of the main characters is a cat, and there's an entire cat culture, and it's very, very cattish, where, like, the way that you make contact between different tribes of cats to establish dip- diplomatic relations is that you 
see the other cat and then you both like turn away and ignore each other and whoever ignores each other the longest is established as wor <laughs> a worthy person to introduce to your chief and it's like it, it's it's so cat <laughs> <laughs> although that sounds terrifying an entire like sentient tribes of cats are like well the stuff of they can be pretty fierce um you want them on your side I'll, just, I'll say that. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> I, won't, I won't spoil, but you want them on your side. It gets really intense, but I really like the characters, and it's one of those books where the more you get to know the characters, the more you like them, as opposed to uh, the less you like them, because they don't, they don't do stupid things. They each have their own well-developed uh, motives and reasons for doing things, and they're very consistent throughout, but the more you get to know them, the more you can see where their consistency, you know, comes in handy and where it can sometimes get in their way. But they are very much who they are and it really works for the story and I'm very much looking forward to the next book, but it's not out yet. The eternal reader's trap. <laughs> yeah. It's like I could have started on one of his other series that, you know, have already been finished or have like, you know, six books in them. For me to read, but no, I had to start. And with this Tamar, one. what were you into fandom-wise over Yantif? Uh, so I read a bunch of books over Chag, which is another word for Yom Tov or the Jewish holidays. If anybody's listening who doesn't know, um, there are a million I, words for everything. There, there's a lot, we and we all pronounce them differently. Somebody knew that I, my mom was Canadian because he heard me say Chag. <laughs> I was like, I didn't realize I said it. Like literally, I said, "How was your Chag?" And he's like, "Are you Canadian?" I had never met this guy before. <laughs> Okay. Um, I borrowed a few books from one of my friends, read Trudy Canavan's, um, she has several series in the same world. Uh, I think of it as the Black Magician world. I, there is definitely a proper name for that. I read the Black Magician trilogy years and years ago, and I oh haven't revered it since. Oh my god! I think I and read then, those. So now there's more to the series, and there's also a prequel book that kind of sets up this world with magicians and like in the the main trilogy there's another uh there's like a an enemy country and the the prequel which i was lent a few months ago is about the first war between the two countries and then there's like the black magician trilogy which is the main one and then there's follow-up trilogy that she's building around the the main characters from the first trilogy's son um and their friends and and the mom also isn't it and it's, I, I like it. I've read it years and years ago, so it's kind of nice to revisit, like, one of my first, like, fantasy series. Um, not, like, the best fantasy series I've ever read, but it was very, like, I like the characters, and she's a good writer. Um, I read a lot of other books. I don't really remember what. I know that I read the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, the book. I had watched some of the Lizzie Bennet Diaries on YouTube, but not the whole thing. I'm just, like, looking over my, by my bed, I have, like, a pile of books that I borrowed, uh, I read way too many. I usually read about two to three books a day of Yondif, so um, I can never really recall afterwards which I've read unless I really enjoyed them. And nothing really, really popped out. Oh! Okay. Except for that I, thing. I that did pop no, out. I just finished, it was like over two Shabbos ago, but I started over the holidays. Um, was Jennifer Fallon's Wolfblade series, and I hated all of Jennifer Fallon's other books that I've been lent by this friend who really likes Jennifer Fallon, and I hated the other ones. Like, I could not finish one of the series, and the other series, I was just like, this is boring, why is she your favorite author? And I read this latest, um, not her latest, but I read the new one to me, and I really liked them, and like, I, I like read through the whole night reading these three books of the, the Wolfblade trilogy by um, Jennifer Fallon, and good books. Awesome. Yeah, I read the Black Magician trilogy in, in seminary, I think. So, like, ten years ago. That's crazy. I read it in, like, middle school or high school. Like, I haven't even thought of rereading it. I just, like, knew when I... She gave me um, The Magician's Apprentice, which is, like, the prequel that came out a few years ago. And I was like, oh, wait, I, I think I, I know this world, but, like, I don't remember it so well. And then I, like, realized who the author's name was. And, like, I was like, oh, I know exactly where those books are on my shelf. I just haven't ever reread them. But I, yeah, I must have because they liked haven't them moved in, you know, eight, ten years. Yeah. yeah. I must have liked them at the time. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bought the whole trilogy. I probably would have just gotten them from the library, the other ones. But So I read also a bunch of books, not quite at a two-per-day pace, but... Um, 
I the ones that stand out were uh, Like a River Glorious by Ray Carson, which is the sequel to Walk on Earth a Stranger, which is a YA series about um, a girl during the California Gold Rush who can sense gold. And Ray Carson is a really good writer, happens to be Jewish, and she um, deals with a lot of spiritual themes in her books, but I have to say I wasn't as crazy about Like a River Glorious as I was the other ones, um, or the, the first book in the series in her previous trilogy. And I also read Three Dark Crowns by Kendra Blake, which was, it's interesting, it's like very interestingly world built but you guys know when you read a novel and it's like oh this is a short story you know that feeling yeah that i get that was with just a lot of kids books yeah and it's just kind of stretched into a novel and like you know interesting like world interesting writing but like you get to the end and it's like oh there was a punchline to this story and this was a this was a yeah i remember a, a, a short story expanded into a novel tuck everlasting for me when i reread it um for my, I think it was a young adult literature course in college, and I was like, well, there's, there's like barely enough material here for a short story, <laughs> and it was stretched out into a novel, and I was like, that's yeah. why I didn't really like it that much in elementary school. Also, because it's super sad. Also that. Yeah, I remember yeah. rewriting the ending as one of our assignments, and making it less sad. Yeah, and the other book, uh, which I really, really liked, is there's a a series that kind of exists in the gray space between middle grade and YA called um, Lockwood & Co. by Jonathan Stroud. And um, he's the guy who wrote the Bartimaeus trilogy, if anybody mm. knows those books. And they are amazing. Like, I I got sent the first book for to review, and I had read a different book of Jonathan Stroud's that I couldn't finish. It's like Heroes of the Valley or something. And I was like, so I was a little bit like, okay, maybe he was like a one-hit wonder with the Bartimaeus trilogy. And then, like, it's the kind of story that has such an amazing voice and such a a vivid world and cast of characters that I was just, like, I, I've been obsessed with it. I just read the, I think, the fourth book, and it's, it's the type of thing they come out around Rosh Hashanah every year, and I always read them over the holidays, and, like, I was pushing this one off because I was so like excited for it and of course it ended on a cliffhanger not to not to go too deeply into it but it's basically set in an alternate england where ghosts keep coming back and like only children can see and fight ghosts so like all of society has been upended and nobody can go out at night except children who basically fight um ghosts and often die in the process because the ghosts are extremely dangerous well that sounds like a darker a much darker version of uh, Maureen Johnson's uh, yeah yeah it's series. not dissimilar but it's like British and dark and snarky and sad and funny and yeah so highly it highly like recommend Doctor those. Who it is well I guess it it definitely has some In Doctor Who the the ghosts would be aliens yeah but I, I was just thinking that they've had plenty of episodes of like ghosts quote unquote. Um, before, so it, that's what it reminded me of when you started describing it. But it's really good, and I don't hear a lot of people talking about it, so definitely check that out. Moving on to our next segment, we're each basically going to pick a, a subject in fandom that is fascinating us, or interest, interesting us, or annoying us, or, you know, on our minds at the moment. And, Making us uh, the feelings. Exactly. Giving us the feels, basically. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to talk about it. Um, so, uh, normally week to week this might be a little shorter, but we figured for our first episode we'll each kind of pick a subject, really dive into it, and, uh, you know, move on from there. So, SM, what is your subject for our very first episode? So, my subject, um, because of current events, is the Cubs. And winning the World Series for the first time in 108 yes, years. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are not strictly geeky. We are also. <laughs> I was gonna, and I wanted to expand on that to talking about sports fandom in general. Well, we are nice Jewish fangirls, and fangirls can be fans of anything. Exactly. Yeah. People like to make fun of sports as though it's like, yeah, whatever. Sports. No one cares about sports. Sports go sports, which is kind of annoying because it's. Like, if people did that about other topics that other people cared about and just were super dismissive of them, I feel like people would get up in arms about it. But with sports, it's acceptable. You can just be very dismissive about sports. And very... 
It's so funny yeah. that you say that because I have the total different off, uh, like, opposite <laughs> impression. Like, in my mind, like, anytime I tell anyone that, like, I'm a music writer, they're like, oh, okay, so you're a fangirl. But, like, if anyone tells them they're a sports writer, oh, you must really know a lot about sports. Like, excuse me, I'm a music writer. I know a lot about the music. I don't have to necessarily be a fan to write about it. But, oh, the sports guy, he, like, he knows. He's not, like, nobody says, oh, you're a fanboy. Like, you don't have the same yeah. response. So, in my mind, I don't think, like, I don't think people recognize sports necessarily as a fandom. It's just something that, like, Americans do. Yeah, yeah. it's true. But it is very much a fandom. And, mm-hmm. like, to some people, you know, it's basically, you know, a surrogate religion. Um, and they build their communities around it. And, you know, they find common ground with people. And, um, yeah, I've been... To sports fantasy camp, I visit. I went with my uncle. Um, I think it was like, was it 2010? I don't know. Um, a while back, I went with my uncle, and I got to be there on the on the field in uh, in Florida and meet a lot of the players. And I gave Edvar Tora at the. Uh, it was a, it was the first time that they had had a specific kosher branch of the fantasy camp, so a lot of uh, Jews were finally able to come because um, the big attraction of fantasy camp is that you play against the former players, who are the rest of the time they're your coaches, but you get to play against them. Uh, was this Mets fantasy? This camp, was Yankees or? fantasy camp. Oh, Yankees. Yankees, Yankees, Yankees. Yeah, and so they give you uniforms, they give you, like, real gear, they give you uh, sports training, and you have a trainer who will, you know, ice ice up your arm and give you, give you exercises and the right stretches to do, and um, they even had, like, a sports psychologist who was helping with, you know, meditation techniques and concentration and focus. Um... And I didn't get to see all that because, like, I had the money. I was just there as, you know, the cheerleading section. So mostly I just sat in the bleachers. But I got, I was told about it by my uncle. And I got a lot of autographs from all, from the different players. And then I actually ran into uh, Tina Martinez in the lobby. Um, who was not one of the participants in the fantasy camp. He just happened to be... Um, running by the field for whatever reason to meet somebody and I happened to come across him just at the right time and I fangoobered all over him. So was Tino Martinez the third baseman? No, he was the first baseman on the Yankees. He was the first um, baseman, okay. I, you know, eventually did extract myself and uh, went to the elevator and just like kind of collapsed against the wall and I was like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I can definitely relate, not not with a fantasy camp experience, but when I was, I, I, I'm a Mets fan, and uh, they have this thing called Run the Bases at, it used to be Shea Stadium, now it's City Field. I should get over that, but I probably won't. Shea Stadium, <laughs> the giant bowl of tomato soup. Yes, and it was beautiful and lovely, and it shook with the fans' excitement. You could always tell it when the energy really was cool high. Neon, you know, light displays on the outside. I did like that. It did, yes. It needed it needed updating, for sure, but, but I didn't think there was cause to, to knock the whole thing down. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, part of fandom is getting very, uh, <laughs> very, very heated about your properties, and this is a literal property. I remember, like, the one time I did the run the bases after after the game, I was probably like... 13, 14. I was so excited that I had the dirt of Shea Stadium on my sneakers, and I we saw some of the players like walking out through the uh, the bullpen afterward, and it's you know, and I was just elated because I could recognize them even out of uniform, and it was it was really really exciting. But it's it's interesting, you know, the, the relationship between sports and fandom, or like typical geek fandom, is really interesting because you're right. Like it, I think both sides kind of mock the other and very unnecessarily you yeah. know what I mean like I think geek I feel like a lot there's not necessarily as much crossover with you know geek fandom and sports fandom because a lot of you know your typical geeks aren't particularly athletic you know they're the you know we like to sit by our computers we like the dark we like you know the light <laughs> of the screen you know we don't like to get up and, and, and move around and you know and be very active and I feel like you know there's always an element of you know not being able to really relate to 
you know, something that you never really pursued for yourself or had an interest in pursuing or were capable of pursuing. And maybe have bad associations. Yeah, and, like, resent it from, you know, being chosen last for baseball team or whatever it was. Or just even, you know, like, I I think... I, th- I think I probably saw this back when I was on Tumblr, but, like, there there was something going around that, like, you know, people who dress up in, you know, the, the costumes that their favorite person wears, paint their faces, you know, go and scream when they see, you know, people doing something, is basically any geek fandom, except that, you know, for geek fandom, you're like, oh, those weirdos, and where, you know, for sports, it's like, of course, yes. you know, wow, those enthusiastic people. So I think, I don't think it's fair necessarily that, like, sports among geeks has gotten this reputation of, like, if you don't call it sports ball and act all, you know, confused, then, you know, you, you lose like, all your cred. You're a traitor, yeah, but, but, you know, I, I still think that, you know, there's, there's, it comes from a real experience, hopefully, maybe as a culture, where we're coming toward a place where people can like more than one thing. We hope so. I mean, they tried to start yeah. starting that with High School Musical, but that was a long time ago, and it's still really evolved from there. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> true. But one, one thing I do like, and I pointed out um, to some some of my friends during the World Series, is that I like that sports is one of the few remaining arenas where men are allowed to be emotional, you know, and it's societally sanctioned for men to cry and admit that they have feelings, you know, and that they care about stuff, you know, and aren't expected to be super macho all the time. And I really like that, and I haven't, like, interviewed any players, but I always want, you know, if that's part of why people pursue sports is because it's an outlet for them emotionally. Yeah. I mean, I know, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a Mets fan, not, not primarily a Cubs fan, but, um, it was hard not to watch those kids on the field, like, you know, getting all choked up. They'd won the world series and crying. And it was like, everybody was crying. It was so adorable. (laughs) Tamar, did you watch the world series or not your thing? I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So you're one of the sports ball people. So no, I mean, I, I I know how sports work. I always learn relearn how football works every year at the Super Bowl. Oh, like, I, I have no idea how football works. Football's really confusing. I I like co- understand the concept. I just have never been to a game, and like I'm not particularly interested. Baseball kind of bores me. I do like hockey, but I haven't been to a game in like seven years. A lot of these games are easier to follow when you're watching on TV. So I don't football. enjoy watching them on TV. I I find it really really boring. I mean, like the most games I've been to have been baseball, and I happen to find baseball really boring it's particularly slow like I want it to be faster paced so like hockey works for me it's like there's ice and they're beating each other up and it's very attractive um (laughs) but also because it's fast paced and like I don't lose my attention at all soccer also because like the clock doesn't stop but baseball I always feel like there's like half the time they're not doing anything and same thing with basketball there's so much stop and go stop and go yeah well Um, my dad are doing something no i understand and like my dad and my brother are big sports fan there's never been like a lack of sports in my personal life like i I was one of the captains of volleyball in high school like (gasps) it wasn't uh, to be fair i went to a teeny tiny high school and, (laughs) and almost senior girls on our team were captains i just don't particularly find sports entertaining like some sports movies are cute. I will never go out of my way to go see a sports movie. I don't particularly have any feeling for any one team. Like, if I have to pick, like, in New York, I'll pick, pick Mets over Yankees because my dad was a Mets fan, but, like, my brother is a Yankees fan. Um, like, I don't care about who wins. Like, it's nice that the Cubs, like, won because Chicago is really happy, and that's, like, a nice thing for them, but I, I, I didn't watch any of it live i didn't know it was going on until like game six was happening um and my my friend just moved to chicago she got married recently to a chicago guy and like she was sending me snapchat she's like he's so freaking excited so like the, every night of the games i would get like seven thousand snapchats and like the, <laughs> they went like out with the crowds so i saw that like i really like that people are enthusiastic about something um i i i think sports is really ridiculously uh uh, inaffordable in this country and like there's mm. no reason that some players should be making hundreds of millions of dollars a year for 
being like playing sports but i, I have a couple the same hours feeling. sometimes yeah i have the feeling the same feeling about actors like i i don't like i don't like sports as a societal aspect in our country and i really do believe all the criticism that sports are essentially just another uh, gladiatorial arena except um, nobody dies and, Nobody That's not true. Usually yes. nobody does. Football players often die of concussions related, uh, like yes, brain so damage football, related. Football, football, yeah, big issue football is that. violent, but baseball, not very violent. Baseball is very That's pastoral. It's boring. The thing is what I wanted to say before about it being boring. A lot of, Sorry. when you're not rooting for anyone, baseball is very boring because there's all these pauses and whatever. But when you're rooting for someone and there's, you know, there's a trajectory and there's momentum, then those pauses become suspense, which is different than, you know, when you're just watching it and you're like, okay, I, I don't care about this. So, yeah, if you don't have that investment, then it's going to be very boring. Yeah, when yeah. you're rooting for a pitcher to strike a guy out, every single second that he's, like, standing mm -hmm. on that mound waiting to throw the ball is pretty riveting it's to mounting you. mounting tension. And if, exactly. And if you don't care... It's not going to mean anything. It's kind of like watching, you know, I don't know, episode 7 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or maybe episode 42 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know, without any other context. It's not going to mean much. No, I'm just saying, like, it was a, it was like a historic event. Like, I was a Cubs fan for three seconds because, like, I wanted them to make history. But also part of me was like, this would be hilarious if they screwed no. up again. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it would have... They sad. did it. They won. It's the kind of thing is is it's a you get what you give kind of situation, and like, the more you invest, the more you can enjoy the game yourself. That's how I find it anyway. If I'm just like, kind of watching it, you know, with one eye, it's not gonna. I'm not gonna remember it, and it's not gonna be so much fun. But if I'm watching it with another person, and we're commenting on it, and um, and then if I'm I'm posting about it, yeah, I feel like, for me that enhances the experience and I think that for a lot of other people doing it as a as a kind of social activity um, enhances it also. Tamar, you want to talk about Wonder Woman. So I mean the movie's not even out yet but I'm very emotional about it. Not because I'm a, a major Wonder Woman fan like I've never followed like read all the comics or anything but as I was watching the trailer, I, I really was just like sitting there bawling for a variety of reasons. First of all, because I get the first superhero woman of our generation that's like a big budget and she's going to be the first title character who is a woman and, um, in any of the, either the Marvel or the DC universe to have like a big picture film in the past, what, ever? Uh, I was going to say past like pretty much. two decades. I mean, but we should I say really... there was, you know, Elektra and uh, oh yeah you know catwoman um, but yeah those were in the in the time when people weren't making very good superhero movies and for some reason the fact that the female superhero movies were just as bad as the male superhero movies only impacted only for the women it matters <laughs> it had to be it had to be because they were women it wasn't because the movies just sucked yeah curious <sighs> those were that was a bad dark time for superheroes anyway i really became emotional because first of all like wonder woman is having this great movie and she looks really good while she in throughout the whole trailer and i haven't seen um the new batman versus superman but i saw superman and it was absolutely horrible so like i didn't even finish the movie this looked so much better it looked so well done and like i i liked like i was laughing but like really i was so emotional about it because it was gal gadot and she was standing there dressed as like a fierce amazon princess fighting for America and she was using her Israeli accent and I was sitting there like just like even like 40 years ago like there has never been a Jewish woman representing like anything like <laughs> forceful and anything like it's not 40 years ago because we had Golda Meir and stuff but like but also the fact that she's an Israeli actress who is a soldier who in the movie she's playing a fierce warrior princess who is fighting against the Nazis. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, do you think that when they cast her, that was a conscious decision to pick a Jewish woman to be this fierce woman who makes her mark on comics fighting Nazis? I'm guessing that was not the case. And I'm guessing that they will downplay her Jewishness and her Israeliness. Um throughout the promotion cycle, although she did But they're not about, hiding the accent. No, 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 they're not. But I feel like because they'll assume that people will just think it's, like, a Greek 
type accent. Yeah, uh, exotic accent. Yeah, but also it'll make her sexier because it's an accent. Uh, also, I huh, don't know if like, she's ever like you need to make Gal Gadot sexier. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I haven't. Is that seen... how you pronounce her name? I'm always confused if about it's Gal- it. I think it is Gal Gadot. I can check the Hebrew pronunciation. I don't believe you pronounce the T. Okay, because like if it's just a transliteration of Hebrew, there are no silent letters. Uh, but if it's like rooted in French, then it would. I silent. think it's rooted in French. Or they may have decided to spell it like that in I'm English for in Hold like marketing uh, reasons. Oh no, it has a tough. So Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. But yeah, I just I became really emotional hearing that accent coming out of this character who like I don't necessarily want to be represented by a woman wearing those outfits, but I was really happy with all of her lines and all the action in the movie and like the fact that like they like had the line about like her being a secretary. She's a really good like, secretary. Really? Like <laughs> that's not really what she is. And like it they were kind of hyping up the fact that she is this super Wonder Woman and um and kind of something that we haven't really seen before and I really liked that. I did not like that like the same week it came out the UN like recognized Wonder Woman as like the icon of feminine power or whatever it was. Like, that was kind of just like, really? You couldn't think of, like, a single human being who is not made up (laughs) to be, like, an icon. When there are, like, no women women. on the UN Security Council or, like, the the main governing body of the UN has very few women. It's just offensive because right now in, throughout the world, there are many female leaders. And even not, like, right now, like, you look at other countries throughout history and there have been Mm -hmm. women leaders. And, like, because I don't know if anybody watched The Crown. I should have talked about that. Um, if anybody watched The Crown, <laughs> it's the Netflix, Netflix is pushing series. it at me. Every time um, I open it, it's like, it's got It's so good. And it's only 10 episodes. And I started it on Saturday night and I have since finished it. Wow. Um, but as I was watching it, the first episode, I was thinking, it is not weird to, to Britain to have a female queen because they've had them before. She is the third notable British queen. And I think the third who's ruled on her own. No, that's a lie. Because Queen Mary also and Queen, there was a lot. But anyway, like three main queens in English history that like we talk about regularly, like Queen Elizabeth I, Queen Victoria, and now the current queen. But there's plenty of others and like they don't have a problem with it. And like Margaret Thatcher, when she ran, like there wasn't a question that she had like the capability to run. And here we're sitting in America like we can't think of an, or the UN, I guess, thinking of an icon who's like a real female icon except a made up <laughs> Wonder Woman. But... Aside from that, I was really happy about the trailer, and I did become pretty emotional. Even though, like, I'm not Israeli, but it was still very it feels, comforting. It feels like it's connected. It just felt like more than seven, not even 70, like, less than 100 years ago, their Jews couldn't even defend themselves. And, like, she it's not that she's playing a strong female warrior. It's that she actually was a army trainer. Like, she has experience... Like, training to kill people, training others to kill people. Like, she could defend herself. And keeping her accent on screen was just, like, in my mind, like, she isn't just playing Wonder Woman. She literally is, like, the strongest actress they probably have in Hollywood yeah, right well, now, physically. I, I did read, because like, she, like, she was interviewed about what it was like and did her army training prepare her for the kind of fight se- sequences that she had to do. And she said, no, there was, you know, a lot of weight training and a lot of other kind of training that she never had to do. And she feels mm-hmm. like she's in, you know physically even stronger now than she was in in the army which i found interesting did she do her own stunts probably a mix i feel like it's usually, usually a mix unless it's matt damon like, in the born movies he insists on doing all his own stunts yeah. because he has like no dialogue and he's like otherwise why am i even here yeah no yeah. i i saw the trailer and i didn't get quite as emotional as as you tamar but i definitely think first of all it's a much better trailer than the first trailer um, which had a, a certain edge of hokiness. It was cool, but it had a certain hokiness to it that I think also, this trailer... that one seemed to be about him. Yes, yes, it did. And, like, why they've met, and, like, yeah, it, it agreed. Um, whereas this was very much... I mean, it also, it sounds really topical. <laughs> like, you know, I, thinking that the world was simple and that you just want to help, and then, like, things turn out to be more complicated mm. than that. It's, like, a little prescient. That's great, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'm really looking forward to it, and I personally am not a DC fan. I haven't seen any of their movies. 
Most of their movies are terrible. Yes. You're not missing much. That's what I've heard. I mean, I was, like, considering seeing them, and then everybody was like, don't, they're horrible. And I was like, well, I'm going to st- stick with Marvel. I mean, I... I I cover Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and Marvel Television, so I, I'm very much immersed in that world anyway, and it kind of feels weird to cross the streams, as it were, but I'm really <laughs> looking forward to, to, to reaching across the aisle and seeing Wonder Woman. I wonder if Wonder Woman will be able to save their, like, movie fandom? Their franchise? I, I don't yeah, know. franchise was the word I was looking their for. Their movie like, game is weak. I mean, their I don't know. Their game is much stronger. Their movie game is weak. I don't know if it needs to be saved in terms of, like, if they're going to keep doing it, because if they weren't going to keep doing it, they would have stopped by now, you know? Well, no, I think that they're, in my mind, their end goal would be the Justice League movie, which they already have planned, and then they say they're having spinoffs, but if the Justice League, Justice, Justice League movie fails, why would they continue doing any movies about the other characters? Like, are they making enough money on the individual movie? I'm guessing not in the U.S., but I am guessing overseas they are. Yeah, and they tend to do well, like, opening weekend, and then tail off, because no one wants yeah. to see them. Or drop precipitously. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think Batman v Superman was, like, something like a 70%, 60-something percent drop-off from weekend to weekend. It yeah, because it was, like, record-breaking the first week, and then, like, nothing the second week. Yeah. That movie looked horrible. It did. Although, I, I want to go on YouTube and see, and watch... Uh, the Wonder Woman scenes. <laughs> like, that's all I want out of that movie. Just Wonder Woman. That's it. Leave me alone. Yeah, I didn't go see it because I was like, yeah, so Wonder Woman doesn't show up until near the end, and there's no point watching the boys fight forever. It's not, not fun. Yeah. Wonder Woman will be coming to theaters June 2nd, 2017. So we still have a ways to go, but hopefully, 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 we're moving in the right direction with that. Uh, and my topic uh, for this week is Rogue One. Um, we're, we're, we may be jumping the gun just a teeny bit on this because Rogue One is a, not actually coming out in in that long... It, Rogue One's coming out pretty soon. <laughs> and uh, it's coming out on, on December 16th. We'll probably and end up talking about it again. Yes, hopefully we'll be able to do a review of that um, awesome female-led movie. I'm thinking a lot about Rogue One now personally because I I'm trying to get myself back into like Star Wars feel like I was basically obsessed with The Force Awakens for a year um before it came out it was ba- it was more or less a solid year of growing obsession and and absorbing all of the media and listening to dozens exactly and dozens of podcasts <laughs> on the movie and it was a big deal for me. It was actually not dissimilar to the way I experienced a lot of media for this election. <laughs> but um, it just, just they had slightly different stakes. I've gone back and forth on Rogue One because I am a little hesitant always to think of like stories that are outside of the um, the main line of Star Wars. I, I read a lot of them now because I, I write about it to a certain extent, but... I, I'm always, I don't know, I, I always feel a little bit like, this was clearly made up after the fact, which is fine, because that's how stories are made sometimes, but it, it's hard to synthesize for me sometimes. And I was, I really liked the first trailer of Rogue One, I was not into the second trailer, so I was kind of skeptical when I pressed play on this new one, but it's really good. And it gives a, a great sense of why we're here. And yeah, it gives um, the character backstory. Yeah, um, which is interesting because I don't remember a trailer being that obvious about a character's backstory. Like, showing, like, young, in this case, Jyn Erso, is, is kind of rare for a trailer, isn't it? I think so. I'm not sure. It de- I feel like it depends on the kind of movie it is. It's not usually for, like, a sci-fi action movie that they go into the character's past in the trailer. Yeah. Right, I feel like that would usually be like a Holocaust movie or like an after Holocaust movie. Yeah, or like, like you started. Yeah, but I think the flashback setting really works. I think it 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 sets up the not setting, but you know the the, the framing of the trailer um, is really powerful, and it tells us why we're why we're here and why we should be interested in Generoso and this crazy band of rebels. You know, because otherwise it's kind of like how they got the plans with the Death Star, and it's like, well, great, but I can kind of imagine. You know, but I think they're starting to pitch the characters much more strongly 
than they did before. And there's actually a book coming out um, called Rogue One Catalyst, which is about uh, Jin's dad and actually like the bad guy in the movie, Director Krennic. Apparently they were buds. It's about, you know, Jin as, as a young child, like a very young child. So it probably won't be that well written because it's a Star Wars book, but... Um, hey, sometimes they get big, <laughs> I should... you know, actual writers to write these things. Yes, I know. And then they're they're not good <laughs> often. If you want, in my opinion, the best Star Wars book of the crop that's come out, uh, read Bloodline by Claudia Gray, which is about Leia, and it's a political thriller and has action. Leia is the best. And Leia is the best. Leia is the freaking best. And you can totally cosplay her first costume and be totally Tzneas, if that's your thing. I haven't done that's that. That's why she's our profile picture on Twitter right now. Exactly. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, what did you guys think about the Rogue One trailer? Are you are you excited? Are you kind of like, eh? Or well, I, I, I'm surprised that J.J. Abrams... J.J. Abrams is not involved in this one, right? Um, He's not involved in an official capacity. It's unclear... Like all his characters have daddy issues, and like this is <laughs> this is like you know textbook daddy issues, you know. So like I was surprised that J.J. Abrams is not writing this movie. It's it's kind of a Star Wars thing, to be fair. Yeah, so I don't uh, I don't mind that at all. And I remember, like the original I, trilogy has got plenty of daddy issues. And and I, when, while I was watching it, especially you know in the wake of the election, it reminds me of like why you know Star Wars is you know has got this you know mythic appeal. Because, you know, the good and the evil are so well-defined and separate and, like, those are the bad guys and we're the good guys and, like, we have a cause and we are fight for it and, like, the Empire is evil and, you know, all that and there's very little gray area and it's, you know, you feel better about, you know, knowing what to shoot at as opposed to real life, <laughs> which is a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so personally, I did not like Rogue One. I don't have any high hopes for it. Partially because I really didn't enjoy Episode 7. And I really was obsessed with Star Wars when I was little. Like, I was a huge fan of it. And my dad, like, always, like, we'd go see the new ones when they came out. And we, like, saw, like, A New Hope when they re-released it in theaters. Gave me nightmares for years because of the bones and Tatooine, but whatever. <laughs> but, like, I, I don't particularly... In, I didn't enjoy Seven because I really thought it was a rehashing of A New Hope, which worked for new fans. I didn't... I didn't like really Seven either. Mature fans? Yeah. I thought it was a copy. This, um, this is uh, uh, possibly our biggest disagreement. <laughs> 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 Among the three of us, because I am rabidly in love with The Force Awakens. So, Rogue One, the, the trailer kind of bothers me because either they're doing a really bad job and they're trying to show way too much of the plot or they're not showing us anything and they're just trying to convince us that they are. Um, but I don't really love the whole idea of the background of the plot anyway, that like Generoso and her dad have issues <laughs> like, oh, I couldn't you come up with a, and also like Ray also in, in the force awakens, like she also has parental issues. Like, why can't you come up with a woman who's just a person? Like you don't need to keep on giving people all these daddy issues or anything. Like I just, I don't particularly like that. I get, like, okay, people like it. There's drama when a girl fights her dad. Like, who cares? Give us characters. The characters... I don't need to be invested in their, like, family life. Like, I want to see a kick-butt woman do her thing without anything else. And if the whole movie is literally just them going to steal the plans and the, it ends with them giving the plans to, like, the rebels, I'm not going to be satisfied. There better be some more story than just oh, look, we're space cowboys stealing plans and leading up to a new hope. Like, this has to be more than just a prequel for me to be satisfied, and I have a feeling that's not going to well, be that's the case. Well, that's why I felt like the, adding the dimension of a particular relationship between the main character and the main villain is adding... There shows that they're paying more attention to the nitty-gritty of it rather than just the overall plot, you we know? I never met that villain before. I have no connection to the villain, like, and they're throwing darts Yeah, no, I don't need to connect like... the villain, though. But and, he, and the connection to the villain that you get is through her. But I'm saying, like... Like, I don't care about him, necessarily. I won't, I won't care about him when he shows up, but the fact is that, you know, if she's... It sets an obstacle for her, it sets a whole... But I don't care about her. Movie. I don't care about anything that they're showing us because we know how it's going to end. Like, they haven't made the trailers, to me, a story that I need to go see as a Star Wars fan. And they've told us most of the story because the story that we see so far in the trailers, the, both the trailers, is that 
she and her, her father abandoned her or something to go and build the plans for the Death Star. She ends up in jail for some reason. The rebels get her out of jail because they know she can do it. And then she brings a bunch of, like, funny rebels, like, on a spaceship to go steal the plans. And then they go give the plans to the Rebel Alliance. Like, that also, is the whole movie. It's a, they it's a all heist die. movie. You know? <laughs> but, like, what? you have heist movies. And you, you know how heist movies are going to end. But that's not why people watch them. You watch them to see them get away with it. But yeah. I don't even think this is a heist movie. But well, that's what it is. I- I agree. I think it is to a certain extent. I'm. I don't. I don't entirely disagree with you, Tamara, in that I don't think that the marketing. I think there has been pieces missing in the marketing. I really hope there one. have been. Like there um, needs to be something bigger. Like I want them. I want Vader not just to be there because he's Vader. I want Vader to have something to do. Yeah, I. I don't know if I demand quite as mu- uh, not demand, but I, I don't know that I'm asking quite as much about it. Like I'm okay if the movie is just like them getting the Death Star plans but the drama comes from the characters and one thing I do want to point out is that a couple of like months ago already EW released kind of the the first character sketches like who these people are and I thought that they all have actually really interesting points of conflict sort of built in you have Jin who is obviously about um, you know she with her with her dad and and like that whole situation and she's possibly very ornery although they may have cut that back a little which pisses me off but she is sort of connected to Cassie Andor who's Diego Luna's character um and then you have like the two the two friends um Baze and Chirrut I think their names are and like the blind guy who believes in the force and is very like focused on that and the other guy doesn't but they're still kind of best friends and kind of look out for each other and I thought that was interesting and then you have Saw Guerrera, who from the Clone Wars is just a massive hot mess. Like he's been fighting his whole life. He's he's kind of crazy. And yeah, I don't know. I I, I I kind of dug the way they were working. Like the the way they were setting it up. I, I I think that I could come out of the movie very disappointed. Like I definitely think that that is a possibility. But I also think it's it's interesting. I mean, even the droid. Like uh, the droid used to be an Imperial droid, and now he's like with the the rebels so i think that's you know interesting in yeah. itself so i feel like i've been a bit curmudgeonly about it but i i no it's fair years, in recent years i've become much more critical of movies ever since i started working in tv for a while because like i know what goes on behind the scenes and a lot of the time i feel like people are copping out and just trying to make the biggest budget movies nowadays instead of making movies that are like good storytelling like I'll sit there seeing a brand new movie and like tap my friend to be like this is gonna happen in three seconds and something happens and like it's not just because I've watched a lot of movies it's because there is a formula to how they make movies nowadays and it's not a particularly inspired formula and I was gonna try not to bring it up at all but I most of my work is about Korean entertainment industry and they've done such a good job building up their music industry that it has become world-renowned because their movies take on small little like aspects of real life and then they do something crazy with it or they do something just really intense and going from seeing movies where like I don't care about the plot at all but it's so good that it matters to me like I just don't think American storytelling is as good anymore and they're not being innovative enough and Star Wars was so innovative at the time and now like you just turn it into another Disney princess like saga like it's not obviously like girl does something and then falls in love with a prince and then sings some songs and then they save the kingdom yay but like it seems very rote and very overbaked at this point and they're just kind of like we have a new generation money of of people who we have a new generation of people who are happy to spend money on Star Wars like give us something new don't give us a prequel that based on the trailers at least doesn't have anything else to offer except leading up to the movies and like yes it has characters to offer and characters are great but storytelling wise why is it a part of your universe if it's just giving us something we already know which is that the rebels do get the plans i i would say hmm, i would actually disagree with you about star wars and storytelling i i honestly think it's always like the height of star wars storytelling in my humble opinion, is, oh my god, (laughs) Empire Strikes Back. Because that is where the characters and the plot kind of combine. The plot of A New Hope is dumb. I mean, it's it's so So by the numbers. It's literally classic 
hero's journey. You know, I, I don't think Star Wars has ever been about... It was innovative you know, in terms of special effects. That's what was innovative. And, yeah, no, that's what... I meant that people will go right. to watch Star Wars. And it's Wars. great, like, you know, I mean, I, I love A New Hope. It's a, it's a wonderful movie, but um, it it is not... I mean, Star Wars is never going to be, I guess, the height of challenging cinema, but I I think... I don't know. I'm I'm interested enough in seeing where they diverge from their formula, like how how they play. You know, they have such a big palette now. You know, you they have a Disney money and b like a lot of run run up time in terms of planning. And George Lucas so, isn't I don't directing know. I mean, them I, anymore. Yay! Yes, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will see it, and I hopefully will not be disappointed. But I expect to be disappointed because. They just haven't, if what they're showing in the trailer is, is all that happens, which clearly is not, but they've showed so many scenes already that I'm just like, there probably won't be any surprises in this movie and they aren't, they don't seem to be leading it anywhere that is a surprise unless they tie it in that she's Ray's mom. Like, Oh God, they better not. (laughs) I do not want that. No. But that's what I'm saying. Like they, they can't, they need to connect it somehow better to the universe or also I don't like, have a problem with it being pretty much a self-contained heist movie. heist movie and like because I mean it's such a big galaxy I mean obviously like you like what you like it's you know but they're only focusing on one part of the galaxy like that's my thing like if you're gonna do it like keep it connected like Fantastic Beasts they're making a big point of connecting it to the Harry Potter world by bringing in Dumbledore into the second one and Grindelwald like connect it to your universe you or can, set it like, in a new they, universe well, I mean, it's connected to the universe with Darth Vader, and I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, I think it's, it's obviously a cash grab <laughs> to be like, here's this small part of the story that we could probably like a not tell you or b tell you in like yeah, five so minutes. Now we can but... split it into three parts. Yeah. Do you want to see? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and then we're gonna split the third one into two movies. Oh gosh. <laughs> I don't know. I think that they. They, you're probably right that they just were like, let's make a heist movie. People like heist movies. Like, it'll just be fun, good time, and that'll be it. But, like, I think there's more storytelling that they could have told and yeah. still kept it. I mean, also, they, they may go on to, you know, different planets, you know, and yes. when you once you introduce those planets, then they're fair game for future movies. So I don't have a problem with it expanding the universe in that sense. Yeah, there is. Even if it doesn't directly connect plot-wise. There is material that they can both harvest and... I mean, some of it obviously is going to be how deep you're into Star Wars. Like, as a somebody who watches Star Wars Rebels, I expect to see a certain amount of recognizable material there. Like, even just planet name drops or something like that, you know. Um, but, you know, that that obviously won't work for everybody. I, I think there'll be stuff in the book that you, you know read the book and then see the movie and you're like oh I get it you know but I mean the fabric of Star Wars has always been a little bit uh what you make of it I think maybe it's because I'm older but I really liked it when I was little and I do not enjoy it half as much now because I just find it kind of blase and not at all innovative in its storytelling I know that's really <laughs> harsh I feel like we shouldn't end on that that note, it's kind of a bummer. Sorry. You can cut it. You can cut out. No, no, it's fine. No, no, I don't know. Like, I really wanted to like it because, like, I like, I like the like the chummy like rogues. Like, it's cute. Like, it's nice. Like, I'm looking at the trailer. And I'm like, oh, this would be so fun if it was Fireflies movie. Like, I, it's just like I'm not watching the trailers. I just don't feel like that they're interesting. They're making it interesting enough that because you know exactly where it's gonna end up. Like. I really want to be surprised. I guess that's really kind of what I feel right now is that there's so much Star Wars universe out there already that, like, unless they're doing something really exciting and new, it's just a money grab. So probably the Han Solo movie is not going to be up your alley. <laughs> no, that would be up my alley because, like... We don't know anything about Han Solo. before. Yeah, that's, like, makes sense to me. So it's so funny because, I mean, this is a much bigger conversation, but I'm totally unmoved by the idea of a, a young Han Solo movie. I'm like, I don't, I, mean, if, I don't need to know. I agree that, like, part of me is like, okay, that is also a money grab. But this one, you have the, the 
new like the you have like the one two three trilogy then you have clone wars then you have the main like the original trilogy and then you have the new ones like i think there is so much content there that you don't need anything else from clone wars and books that you don't need anything else between one two three and four five and six like why did you pick this era i would have rather seen between six and seven something like i would have rather them fill in like how did the universe fall apart again so quickly like within i mean they may eventually get around to that one i I don't think so the way that they were telling the story in force awakens is kind of like you're supposed to assume this well i guess luke did something dumb but that's (laughs) yeah i mean it's also also like the the second in the universe yeah well he's he messed up his training of kylo ren and then he just ran away well but i imagine he did something he didn't run away i think he was probably horrifically traumatized and was like it's better if there aren't skywalkers in the galaxy that's my theory he ran away he's letting one run rampant yes he was like yes it's better if my friends just die without me because i'm not around they weren't dying they were doing pretty well anyway lots of planets got blown up this is a a much longer conversation (laughs) um and i and i feel fairly confident that episode eight will redeem my interpretation Um, well i also think that episode eight is going to fill in the blanks between the the first trilogy and the second trilogy also it just it won't just be a new hope again so i'll be happy with it (laughs) It'll be a new Empire Strikes Back. If, really if you that. want a really interesting interpretation of The Force Awakens as it relates to A New Hope, definitely check out Story Wonk. They have a whole series about Star Wars and a couple of re- reviews of The Force Awakens that kind of look at the ways in which it um, speaks to and about A New Hope that I, I think are, are really smart and well done. And plus, the guy who does it is Scottish. So, win. That never hurt. Uh-huh. I could just say that I'm very, I'm still, you know, regardless, I'm still glad there are, that there are going to be female-led blockbuster movies, and yes. I am concerned about tokenism, and that, you know, people are going to be like, well, now you, you have mean, those movies, so in her now own you, movie? you can't yeah. complain ever again, but it's still nice to have them, and um, it's nice to know that the next season of Jessica Jones is also going to, it's going to be focused on, on hiring all female directors. Yes. And just and also the diversity that I was seeing um, in the Rogue One trailer, and uh, obviously in with Wonder Woman having an Israeli actress, um, just it makes you feel like you know at least in the Hollywood sense representation is getting a bit broader. Um, and obviously, there's a long way to go, but it's still uh, it makes it makes you feel like there is progress being made incrementally and while i'm not convinced that that's going to rub off on the rest of the world it's still it's still nice to on screen agreed the racial makeup of rogue one is a huge win for diversity i mean it's it's great like there's you know i mean cassian andor is like uh, you know right up there um he has also like like uh gal gadot has his natural accent we have you know two asian uh characters or actors we have forrest frickin whitaker you know so so that's really great it is hugely disappointing to me that there Jin is the only woman in the in the crew so to speak but mon mothma is the head of the whole operation. yeah but mon mothma and that's what i keep coming back to yeah <laughs> Because the first time I saw the first teaser trailer, I was like, Mon Mothma, oh my god. And like by the end of the day or by, in about an hour, my phone was recognizing Mon Mothma in all caps. <laughs> so many times. If nothing else, it will be a very interesting foray into what Star Wars storytelling on the big screen um, hopefully can look like. And, you know, maybe it'll be darker, maybe it'll be sadder. I think they have a really interesting, you know, potential palette of places that they can go in terms of tone and... and well, we know that many um, Bothans are going to die. No, no, no. No? No, no, no. That is the second Death Star. Mon Mothma says that in the in the third movie. Oh. <laughs> Mon Mothma says that in the third movie, actually. <laughs> uh, Bothans, are, Bothans are Death Star 2. So if we get Rogue One 2, then maybe we'll see some Bothans. So that wraps up our first episode of Nice Jewish Fangirls. You can find us at jewishcoffeehouse.com and you can also connect with us on Twitter at 
Jewish fangirls. I'm Michal Schick. You can find me on Twitter at Ink as Rain, and you can find my writing at Hypable.com. Tamar, where can we find you? My writing's all over the internet, so I suggest following me on Twitter. It's Tamar double underscore Herman. Apparently there's a lot of Tamar Hermans. And my Instagram account is Tamar Herman NYC. I tend to post a lot of things about concerts and my life, so follow me if you'd like. But Twitter's where I post my articles, so Tamar underscore underscore Herman. And if you're interested in, like, anything about Korean pop music, or you were like, wait, interested- people write about Korean pop music? <laughs> then look at tomorrow. <laughs> and SM, where can people find you? Uh, well, mostly on Facebook. Um, I post a lot, but uh, my public posts are the ones you can follow, and there are fewer of those, so you won't be inundated. And I'm uh, very occasionally on Twitter at Floating Spirals, and you can find my, me on my Amazon page where I sell my fiction, and if you just Google my name, you'll probably come up with various things that I've written, including my blog and articles for Tablet Magazine. Thank you so much for listening. In honor of the wonderful Leonard Nimoy and his indelibly Jewish Vulcan salute, we're going to sign off with Live Long and Prosper. We'll be back soon.